Welcome back. I'm glad you're here. I'm Debbie Cook. I'm the past host of the D&B Garden Show, and this is the August edition of the D&B Lawn and Garden Podcast. It has been really hot. It has been really smoky, and that is affecting the way our gardens are growing. But it is August, and it is time to start thinking about harvesting some of this produce that we've been working so hard to get and how to preserve it if we have enough that we can preserve. So today, um, our guest is Gretchen Anderson, and Gretchen is a voice and a face well-known in the Valley. She has been a TV anchor. She's been a spokesperson for Bogus Basin. Um, She's a garden writer for Mother Earth News. She is a blogger, vlogger for um, D&B Supply. But today, we're going to use her skills as a master food safety advisor, which means she can tell us how to safely preserve some food. So, Gretchen, thanks for spending some time with us today. Hey, Deb, are you staying cool? I'm trying to, but boy, it's not easy today, is it? Holy mackerel, this weather is really something. But Not at all. (laughs) And like I said, our gardens are kind of suffering because of it. It's been hard for good pollination. Um, It's just been plain old hot for our plants to be outside 24-7. Absolutely. So so one of the things that I want to mention before we start, only because it's kind of fun to do, and that is this year, last year we didn't have the fair uh, because of COVID restrictions, but they are doing the fair this year. And if you are somebody who is especially proud of your produce, August is the time to think about entering uh, at least the Western Idaho Fair. Most counties have little fairs going on where you can enter, um, enter your produce and win a blue ribbon and bragging rights. Um, but the Western Idaho Fair is August 20th to 29th. So if you think you've got something great, you should think about entering that. It's very fun. And if you win a blue ribbon, like I said, you get the bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Have, you ever entered, mm-hmm. have you ever entered anything, Gretchen? I've entered preserves and that sort of thing, uh, you know, home food preservation stuff, but never anything from my garden, which I think I should. You should because but you not know, this you, year. <laughs> if, if you do what I do, though, no, not this year. But if you do what I do, I usually go to the fair and see the blue ribbons and go, oh, I should have entered mine because I think that it was better than this. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Isn't that that's tough? But yes, I agree with you. And if you're thinking about it, if you do want to enter, get on it right away because, man, those deadlines come at you. Real they fast. do. They do. And you'll need to enter like mid-August. So about a month from now is when you're going to have to start thinking about entering. You can go online and Google Western Idaho Fair and get all of the information that you need about how to enter. Follow the rules in the handbook carefully. They tell you exactly how many to enter, how you need to present the produce, um, and they'll give you all the rules. So really important to do that. So No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's really unfortunate because I have been a judge at the fairs before. And if you don't follow those regulations, I mean, the elimination has to begin somewhere. And if you've got 10 plates of green beans and they all look wonderful, um, how are you going to eliminate? And if you're supposed to have 10 green beans and you've got 11, whoops, sorry, you're out. Right. So follow, um, the, follow the instructions and that's the, the same with preserves. Yeah, exactly. To so, the letter. To the letter. To, to the letter. So let's talk a little bit now about um, Gretchen, because you are a master food safety advisor 
And this is something that you have trained through the University of Idaho Extension offices. And um, they have given you the best, newest, most up-to-date, basically safety precautions that come that they have out there so you can preserve your food safely. Right. And, you know, I I should tell you that I never thought that that it even existed. A master food safety advisor uh, existed until I became a master gardener. And the next logical step is to become a, a master food safety advisor. That's so that what you grow, you are certified to preserve. And most of us will say, well, my grandma, you know, my grandma preserved everything and she wasn't a master food safety advisor. Well, back in the day, there was foodborne illness as a result. So it really is a benefit to get the information to uh, preserve everything from your garden. So I highly recommend people um, taking classes over there and, and being certified if that's something you do. You, you pull from your garden and you use recipes, then I highly recommend getting certified. Next to that, I say don't ever use a recipe that's, that's old or um, that you pull off the internet because it sounded good. You have to have researched and uh, scientifically backed uh, preservation um, recipes and, and sure. procedures. Sure. Yes. And it's just like anything else. As time goes by, um, you know, more is, we learn more. We learn what keeps us safe. We learn about new diseases. We learn about new things that are out there. And food is different than it used to be. Um, Absolutely. You know, back in, back in the day that my, when my grandma used to make her chili sauce and when my husband's grandma used to make um, what they called green sauce, uh, which was a mustard relish, actually. Back in the day, the vinegar, the, the acidity of the vinegar was, was higher than it is these days. You know, you had seven, sometimes 8% acidity in vinegars back in, in around the turn of the century when my grandma was doing it, like in 1920, 1930. Right. And when uh, Buster's grandma was doing it. And now most vinegars are like four to 5%. So you have to get recipes that are written for the acidity of the current vinegar. And, right. and, and, and you have to follow the directions. You know what, Deb? I always thought that the, the um the bottled the lemon juice that you buy in the store the real lemon lemon juice uh-huh uh-huh i just don't think it's that tasty i i really like the minute made frozen lemon juice or fresh lemon juice but for recipes when they call for lemon juice they call for that i don't want to call it the icky lemon juice but that's what they're calling for because the the recipes have been tested and scientifically researched with that particular ingredient in it yes and and i'm sure they're using it because even even the produce has changed in acidity for example tomatoes aren't nearly as acidic as they used to be Um, absolutely some of our heirlooms just aren't uh, you know it, it it varies some of the the new tomatoes uh, uh, and then some of the heirlooms, they're just all, all over the, they're the all spectrum. over the board. So use mm-hmm. new up-to-date recipes that have been scientifically tested. The thing that's pretty cool about, um, you know, the training that you have is because they, it comes from basically the university where they've done all this testing. So, um, it'll just keep you safe. So there's a heads up for that. Um, right. the other thing I want to talk a little bit about Gretchen is how do you know, when your produce is ready to preserve. I mean, you know, you can pick it at all different 
types of ripeness, but is there kind of a rule of thumb? And I know we both sort of say eh, rule of thumb, but is there kind of a rule of thumb about, you know, how ripe or how not ripe your fruit should, or your produce should be before you, you know, decide to preserve it? Yeah, you know, and I, I think you would agree with this as well, you being a, a gardener. You, with each packet, with each seed packet that you get, it tells you how many days to uh, maturity. And so if you're planting, um, say, squash, you know that the, the maturity date is 60 to 65 days on certain squashes. And so you just mark it on your calendar. Right. But there are oh. other signs, you know, tomatoes. And, and in our valley, we grow some of the best tomatoes. And really, it's, it's when you can pull a tomato off the vine. And, and I think a taste test is the, be- the best thing. The one thing you don't want to do, Deb, is preserve uh, fruit or vegetables that are past their prime, that are starting to spoil. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I've learned recently, because now I have a bumper crop of blackberries, and I've learned that the best way to harvest the blackberries, of course, is in the morning when the bees aren't out. Right, <laughs> like right. You, you want right to battle them. them. Yeah. yeah, the honeybees are going to be out there. Um, and it's a touch thing with those blackberries. You don't want it to be too firm and you want it to come off the, the blackberry bush so easily. Then you're going to have the sweetest, uh, best fruit to do whatever you want with it. Usually it's just sticking it in my mouth. So, yeah. So basically <laughs> yeah. what you're saying is take a bite of this stuff, give it a try before you decide to preserve it. And if it's, if you think it's delicious, carry on. <laughs> Oh, Deb, you know, I, I am a true believer in that, not only with gardening. And if you're fortunate enough to have uh, a great garden this year and you've, you've made it through the hot spell, um, boy, kudos on you. As Treasure Valley gardeners go, we are struggling and are beyond, um, beyond the Treasure Valley. Um, yes. Yeah. And so uh, I say kudos to you. But if you if you. Um, feel like it's it's time you pull them in and my my favorite preservation is freezing i get a big old freezer and and uh, there are many different methods to freeze and when you research a, a procedure or a recipe the best thing to do is i would say you know uh, blackberrypreservation.edu if i'm going to right. google it right and that way i'll come up with a university that has tested recipes and yes. procedures. Yes. Yeah. And that's what that EDU stands for. For any you know listeners that aren't aware of that is when you're looking for a good, um, a good source, if it is .edu, it'll take you to um, a university website. Ideally, when you search that, you'll look for one that's in our area. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we have general growing conditions that are the same. But yeah, that's what I yes. would look for. That's what I would exactly, look for. and I, I think it bears uh, repeating. It. We've mentioned it before: is that most all the states have land grant universities, and so they have a university that does this type of research. Ours is the University of Idaho, and um, California has several universities. Yes. Uh, UC Davis is the big one, and um, uh, Utah State. So, if you find information from Utah State, we're pretty we're pretty similar to the Utah. We certainly climate. are. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's a that you can rest assured that that's good information. By I the way, so 
I was told once, and maybe Deb, you could you can tell me if you heard anything that that when we have smoky summers, which we do now, it seems oh more uh, you know more the rule than the exception. Um, it brings on the flies like nobody's business. Doesn't and that we seem did, to we, be the case? Ugh. I you know the last two to three years we've had such a fly infestation. You know, just in in August like the tail end of August, so much so that you can't even go outside and enjoy the outdoors, like having a dinner outdoors or something like right. that. Um, right. Yeah. So, so be, be aware well, the, of that. <laughs> yeah. That, that could be, that could be the cause, but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that Margaret Lauterbach also talked about how the smoke might affect um, any kind of photosynthesis that could be happening within the plant. And, you know, is that something that needs to be considered if the smoke goes on for long, long periods of time? And I don't know if that's anything that's ever been tested or not, but I do know that, um, like I said, just weather conditions are affecting the way our gardens are maturing this year. People have had so much trouble with you know, complete pollination. Not that the bees aren't there. It's just that the pollen is so darn dry um, that it can't really stick and um, fertilize as it's supposed to do. Um, So it's just tough all the way around. Gretchen, you talked about freezing being your favorite way to preserve food. Um, But I know that there's, you know, people can dry. If they've got dehydrators, they can certainly dry food. They can can Mm -hmm. and, you Mm -hmm. know, do jams and jellies and fruits and vegetables and um, paying attention that some things need to, you know, can be done in a water bath. But um, a lot of things are going to need to be pressure canned. So you need to have certain equipment. Pickling is really popular right now. It seems like they've... um, it seems like people have become aware of the benefits of probiotics that come with fermentation and pickling. So, you know, there's all different ways to do things, but equipment is a big thing to consider. It it is. Devin, And backing up just a skosh, you know, the dehydration is, is another one of my favorites because uh, you can, it gives you a big punch. You know, you pack it, pack it all in there, dehydrate the fruit that you're going to do or the veggies, and then you can consolidate it and <clears throat> store it for a year. Right. Um, and not everybody has a dehydrator, but most of the libraries in our valley uh, will lend them out to you, just like yes. they lend books. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that's, so that's, that's I don't a, know if people a, are aware of that, that so many of the libraries actually have equipment that they loan out as well as books. It's a very cool um, part of the system that I'm not sure people are aware of. So if right. you need something, don't discount your public libraries for, um, you know, for items that you might need to rent for a little while. It, exactly. Um, and I, I would just a couple caveats there. When... <laughs> Give it the sniff test when you when you uh-huh. get a, a lender uh, a, a dehydrator that's uh, lent to you. Um, make sure you sniff it because I tried to dehydrate some bananas on a dehydrator from the library that had been used for either onions or garlics. Garlic and uh, <laughs> oh boy, your, your garlic <laughs> bananas were not so good. It's not what you had in mind when you started the it project. Was a- Right. It was an interesting flavor. <laughs> but we dehydrate bananas year round. Um, oh. A little uh, here's a little tip. And sometimes I think, you know, if you can come away from a podcast with one little thing, that's awesome. Uh, Grassmic Produce, as many other produce companies, um, will sell you a, a case 
of overripe bananas. And you want to you want to dehydrate overripe bananas anyway. You don't want to do the, the non-ripe bananas, right? Because right. you want that sugar content, right? Sure. Yeah, and the, they'll sell you a case for eight bucks. Oh, are you and kidding? No, uh-uh, it's wonderful. Those that's are you know, and that's great. our snacking at our house. Oh, that's great. And I'm thinking, think of the banana bread you could make out of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you're, going Absolutely. For the, you're going for the bananas yeah. and I'm going for the bread. So sorry. Before that I, tells us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Before I knew about Grassmick, I used to go to uh, Walmart used to sell their, their, you know, long in the tooth bananas at a discount. Uh-huh. And I'd long load up my tooth. basket and invariably somebody would stop me and say, uh, what? Why all the bananas? Are you making banana bread? And I would deadpan look them in the eye and say, "No, I have a gorilla at home." <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Okay, uh, but so, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so last year, I know that it was very hard for people to find canning jars and canning equipment and different kinds of food preservation um, equipment that they, you yes. know, that they were looking for. So hopefully this year. Uh, the supply chain will be open a little bit and people won't have that trouble. But let's talk just a second about um, what kind of um, what kind of items can be reused? Like as far as canning jars, I know the glass jars, of course, can be reused. But what about the tops? The rings, Deb. Mm-hmm. The rings can be reused as long as there isn't uh, a, you know, a lot of rust on them and that sort of thing uh-huh. and dents. Rings can absolutely be reused, but the lids, no. Uh, once you use them, you want to take those lids off and throw that lid away. So um, that rubber seal is a one-time it, only deal. Oh, absolutely. And one thing, you know, we had those those uh, moments in the the schooling that we got, the education that we got. When you hot water bath or even uh, pressure cook something, after you're finished and doing the whole project, and you have the mason jar there with the ring and lid on the jar. You wait 24 hours to make certain that everything has um, a great seal on it, and then you take that ring off. Oh. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you store them without the rings. Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) And you don't pile them on top of one another. You want to leave it just as it is and store it without having anything on top, so that so you can't, if there so you is, can't stack the jars, right? Don't stack them. And uh, holy mackerel, that, I've been that, doing everything wrong, Gretchen. Oh, Deb, <laughs> I think I've been leaving my rings well, on and stacking my jars, and I'm still alive. That's right. I have oh, an update in my it. recipes, so we're good about oh, that. Oh goodness! But goodness. um, you know, I will, I will say one of the things that, and I'm sure that anybody that is a canner can relate to this. After a long day of canning way more than you wish that you had actually started with to sit down at the end of the day and listen to those jars ping as they seal that jar Mm -hmm. sealing is just like, I think one of the most satisfying sounds of all time. Isn't it? It's music to your ears. It's music to my ears. I really love it. So Mm -hmm. um, I want to mention again, a little bit about some of the training and where they might be able to find that. I, I, and I know that, you know, I think Central District Health um, offers some food safety classes, uh, but I'm not familiar with those. The ones I'm most familiar with are through the extension offices, like the one that you've taken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there are many. So what I would suggest is, one, you can uh, hop on uh, to the website. 
website, to the University of Idaho website, and go to the consumer science uh, umbrella of what we do. And you'll find the Master Gardener program in there, as well as the Master Food Safety Advisor program. And that's in Ada County. They are starting to have more robust programs in Canyon County and out in Owyhee County. Um, and I'll tell you, I enjoyed my Master Gardener, Gardener training, but I so enjoyed the Master Food Safety Advisory uh, training that I received. And as a Master Food Safety Advisor, you become an advanced certified person in that and you continue your training. And we also volunteer uh, in the community big time for all of this. So you'll see us at the fair uh, around the, the food preservation area as well. Perfect. I think that's, you know, mm -hmm. a great program. Any of the programs, honestly, through um, the extension offices, I can't speak highly enough. I, you know, am a master gardener myself, but the food safety training, the 4-H programs, they have, you know, financial help. Through, they've just got so many programs through the extension offices. And I, it's one of the few places, I think, where you can actually see your tax dollars at work. Most of the information oh, is completely absolutely. free for your taking. And so um, I would encourage anyone to, you know, to do some research and take advantage and really pay attention to what uh, your extension offices have to offer. And like Gretchen said, every county in the state has an extension office. They may not be offering the same programs, but there is always an extension educator there to visit with you and talk to you about all kinds of things. So um, I love the extension office myself. Absolutely. And one other way to keep in touch is through our Facebook page out in Canyon County. It's 2C Master Gardener, Facebook and Instagram. And yes. quite often you will see a calendar of events. And we have, and I apologize, the, um, we have a, an event coming up where it's harvesting and then preserving. So it's, yes. it's two for one and it's coming up real soon. And I don't have the exact date in my head, but there's always classes like that going on. There's always classes. So mm -hmm. take advantage of that. Take advantage of the DNB Facebook page because you can find blogs and vlogs from Gretchen. You can find a link to this podcast. You can find all kinds of really great information on the DNB Facebook page. So like I said, take advantage of that. And Gretchen, I think we're out of time. Um, oh my gosh, it went I so know. fast. It did go fast, but I want to say thank you so, so much for um, sharing your knowledge. Once again, I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. So I will be talking to you very soon. Enjoy August and I'll see you very soon. Thank you. So that is the August edition of the D&B Lawn and Garden Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. And I will be back next month talking to you about new things that are going on in September. Thanks so much. Enjoy August. Bye-bye. <music>